Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. HudsonRiverRadio.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Screen. Here we talk about movies and all kinds of entertainment, and we have a lot of fun, and we are glad you are here with us today. Today we have a cool topic to talk about, and we are very excited, but before we get to that, I just want to tell you that if you like what you hear, and I hope that you do, you can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. Also, we have a Facebook page, but in the meantime, sit back, relax, and let this party start. Neil, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing good. I am so rocking with all these rock movies. I, I, I love this time. I've been having such fun with this. This is great. <laughs> That's really good. All right. Well, we are doing part three of fictitious band in movies. Uh, we're going to slip in a couple of TV shows, but we'll tell you about that later. <laughs> Because we have to. Still counts. Um, yeah, it counts. <laughs> um, so the first movie I want to talk to you about is Sing Street. And I have to tell you that I'd heard of this movie, but for some reason I assumed it was an acapella college thing or a dance musical or something. So I didn't watch it, but I was wrong. <laughs> it is a 2016 coming of age comedy, drama, musical, film written and directed by John Carney. From a story by Carney and Simon Carmody, starring Ferdia, Walsh, Pilo, and Lucy Boynton. That's a name, huh? I'll tell you, I, I've never heard of this movie, so I'm 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 learning something right now. So yeah. <laughs> it is quite it's a an name. it's an international co-production among producers from Ireland, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Connor is a Connor is the lead guy. Um, Connor is a high school student who falls for an older girl who is an aspiring model who has no time for him. So he decides to start a band to impress her because that's what you do, right? It's exactly what you do. <laughs> his family life is not great. His father drinks too much and is struggling with his job and marriage. Connor's parents send him to a Christian school and away from all his friends where he does not fit in. But he finally meets some other kids who play music and he puts together a band. It is a sweet story about being young and struggling to find yourself in inner city South Dublin in 1985. An interesting fact is the father and uncles of the guy who plays Connor, Ferdia Walsh Pilo, the main star, attended the real Sing Street Christian Brothers School and the school scenes were actually shot there. And the real spelling of the Sing Street Street School, this is such a tongue twister, <laughs> is um, the real spelling is S-Y-N-G-E. So there is discussion in the film of Connor's father getting a legal separation because he can't divorce because divorce didn't become possible in Ireland until 1997. Really? Is that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. That I didn't know. Did not know. So Guy Lodge of Variety.com gave the the film a positive review, writing, perched on a tricky precipice between chirpy kitchen sink realism and lush wish fulfillment fantasy, 
this mini commitments, which is another movie we're going to talk about, gets away with even its cutesiness indulgence thanks to a wholly lovable ensemble of young Irish talent and the tightest pop tunes riffing on Duran Duran and The Cure with equal abandon and affection. Any gaggle of Catholic schoolboys could hope to write themselves. Given the right marketing and the word of mouth, this Weinstein Company release could sing a song of far more than sixpence. <laughs> Weird little review. Anyway, it's a very sweet movie, and I really did enjoy it. And um, it was a lot of fun. And I think we should play a song for it. The song we're going to play is Drive It Like You Stole It. It's very Duran Duran, isn't it? Oh yeah, and it's very. I didn't. You were. Uh, you said they were young. They, the, the voices certainly are very. They're much younger than I thought that uh, they would be. So I, I get that now that they're. Uh, it's not even. It's not even quite high school. It's like, well, maybe just in high school. It's not. They're not that. They're good. pretty. Yeah, they're they're pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, I think he might be a junior in high school, maybe a sophomore. I'm not really sure. They didn't really talk about that. But I liked it, and I liked the song. And I think Drive It Like You Stole It is pretty awesome. <laughs> I like the title, definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this, uh, when was it set? Because it, it sounds very 80s, too, like is it like the Duran Duran whole. It's, yeah, it's a 2016 movie, but really? it takes place in 1985. Okay, oh, there, there you go. Okay, Perfect. yeah. Perfect, yeah. Very sweet. So check that out because it's fun. I'm, again, I'm going to tell you the name. It's called Sing Street, yeah. and it's S-I-N-G, Street. Not Sing Sing uh, Street. Not what? Not Sing Sing Street. Not Sing Sing Street. <laughs> different, different, different movie altogether now. Sorry. <laughs> Although all of these kids could have ended up in Sing Sing well, Street. We don't really know for sure. The next movie that I want to talk about is, uh, it's, uh, I love this movie so much. It's, uh, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure. I think it's a guilty pleasure. I think most people who have seen it are like rolling their eyes, but I love this movie. It's called Eddie and the Cruisers. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it is a 1983 film based on a novel by P.F. Klug, which I did not know. The movie follows the life of Eddie Wilson, the lead singer of Eddie and the Cruisers, played by actor Michael Pare. The movie was a flop at the box office, of course, because all the movies that I love are flops at the box office. That, that surprises me because I, you know, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was more popular, maybe because. Of the, song of the music that came, which with it. Yeah. which we're going to talk about, mm. uh, the soundtrack was a hit because of the song "On the Dark Side," which was a number one hit on the Billboard Top Rocks Tracks charts, as well as number seven on the Hot 100 charts. John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band are actually the band singing the song, but actor Michael Parade really did a fantastic job as the fictional lead singer. 
Although John Cafferty wrote on the dark side, he's uncredited. Hmm. Like, does that mean he doesn't get royalties? Oh, he would have to. So it's uncredited in the film. It was certainly, when when they would play that song on the radio, it was... John, John Cafferty, Cafferty and the Beaver, Beaver Brown, Brown Band. Right, and uh, yeah. it wasn't Eddie and the Cruisers, so... Right, right. I mean, that's odd, but... I, I It's bizarre. I'm sure there was some legal mumbo-jumbo going around with that. Yeah, couldn't find anything yeah. about that, but th- that was just like a notation in all pages and pages that I read about this movie. I I actually saw John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band in Rockland. You know, everything is before pandemic or after pandemic. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this was before pandemic and it was awesome. And I got to meet this a, a wonderful character in the film of this um old african-american guy who plays uh the sax i think and without giving it's a side story so i don't think i'm giving too much away but he he ods and he's just this wonderful character and he he was there the real guy (laughs) because he plays in the in in the john cafferty the beaver brown band so i got to meet him and I got pictures taken with him, and I was so excited. Like, nobody else was as, as excited as So he was. he was the only actual musician from the real band in the film, is what you're saying. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. John Cafferty was not in the film. I mean, was not in the film, no. As far as I know. No. So the plot line that we see through flashbacks and interviews is that Frank, also known as Wordman, is hired by Eddie, the front man of the band, to write lyrics for the cruisers. Um, he is, I think he's the ugh, keyboard player. Is he in the band? I can't remember. Sorry, I didn't I didn't rewatch this because I've seen it so many times I thought I didn't need to, but I'm blanking out on that. Yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it a long time ago. So, uh, you know, when it was probably when it was in the theater. So, right. Yeah, Their first album is a major hit. But when Eddie decides to do a follow up, he insists that Frank Wordman push the envelope and come up with more than just pop lyrics. You know, Eddie's like a true musician. (laughs) and He he doesn't want to sell himself short. He wants to tell his truth to the world, of course. Eddie is inspired by the bleak, fatalistic poetry of Arthur Rimbaud. And I did look that up and it's pretty dark. Um, A Season in Hell, the second album, is rejected by Satin Records because it is dark and strange. In the early morning hours of the next day, Eddie's car crashes through the railing and over the Stainton Memorial Causeway. Eddie vanishes without a trace. (laughs) His body is never found. From IMDb... What if Eddie were still alive? The circumstances surrounding his death are just shadowy enough to make it a distinct possibility and someone, could it be Eddie, has been ransacking the homes of the surviving band members in a desperate search for tapes of the group's visionary, never-released album. I really love this movie. I already said that 12 times. I believe it portrays close to what it actually might feel like to be in a band before and after a successful album was released. As I said, the film was a flop, but in the fall of 1984, the single on the dark side from the soundtrack album suddenly climbed into the charts as the film was rediscovered on cable television and home video, prompting the studio to briefly re-release the album. In her, her review for the New York Times, Janet Maslin wrote, some of the details ring uncannily true like the slick oldies nightclub act that one of the cruisers is still doing nearly 20 years later after Eddie's supposed death. Other aspects of the film are inexplicably wrong. Eddie's music sounds good, but it also sounds a lot like Bruce Springsteen's and it would not have been the rage in 1963. However, she did praise Perret's performance. Mr. Perret makes a fine debut. He captures the manner of a hot-blooded young rocker with great conviction, and his lip-syncing is almost perfect. So, interestingly, from IMDb Trivia, the Fender Stratocaster guitar used by Michael Perret as Eddie Wilson in the concert seems 
formerly belonged to John Lyon, a technical consultant for the movie. Lyon is better known as Southside Johnny Lyon, leader of the New Jersey Shore band, the Asbury Jukes, and longtime friend and frequent collaborator of Bruce Springsteen. Another little bit of IMDb trivia that I thought y'all might find interesting or funny because most of us are probably from the East Coast. Eddie Wilson says they played at Fairly Ridiculous up in Madison. This was a reference to Fairly Dickinson University in Madison, New Jersey. Fairly Ridiculous was a nickname for the university, which I've heard from friends. Well, yeah, being being a fellow uh, New Jersey residents at one time. Oh, yeah, that's what that was. That was what it was commonly referred to as. Sure. (laughs) So that's pretty funny they put that in. And Rick Springfield lobbied for the role of Eddie Wilson, but director Martin Davidson, who had purchased the rights to the novel, didn't think he could be convincing as anyone other than himself. While he might have been great in the role, Davidson said he wouldn't have spanned the history of the missing musician. Gary Arnold for the Washington Post wrote, at any rate, it seemed to me that what Eddie and the cruisers aspired to do was certainly worth doing. The problem is that it finally lacks the storytelling resources to tell enough of an intriguing story about a musical mystery man. The cast includes Tom Berenger, Michael Pere, Joe Pantaleono, Pantel, it's too long for me to say. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Pantoliano, okay, and Ellen Barkin. Um, there is a there is a Eddie and the Cruisers too, which of course I've also seen. But um, and it follows what happens after Eddie might still be alive, see, and that, I'm not going to give it away. That one I didn't see, but I remember <laughs> at the time that the movie came out, and it was well, it was you know what early early mid eighties, so. The, the parallel was drawn between Eddie and uh, the fact that Jim Morrison may or may not have actually faked his own demise, and that uh, th- that's what the uh, the movie was kind of based on. But a- alluding to, yeah. But I mean, since then, no, that you know, people were. I think everybody says Elvis is still alive too, but no, Jim Morrison is no longer alive. That was you know that was obviously proven but since then but that was still very close to the time where it was it, it could have still been possible and there was even an album came out and i forget the name of it uh, and it sounded very similar to morrison's voice of course they didn't do one of those voice comparison things because that would have you know proven that it wasn't i'm <laughs> sure but, so it was it was much better for the uh for everyone to believe that this was still you know true but uh, yeah, no, that that's I seem to remember that they based that on that theory that some and he was also like kind of like his his second rejected album was very uh, Doors esque. It was very uh, you know, uh, literary, like you were saying uh, with uh, Arthur Rimbaud and uh, yeah, Season in Hell and all that. So yeah, it was like yeah, oh yeah, that that's you know, but no. Well, the thing is, well, the Doors were always like that. They they were always very cryptic and very you know psychedelic let's let's you know call it that where uh eddie and cruisers they started out like a pop band and wanted to go in that direction which would have been the case in the 60s a lot of bands well <laughs> let's say the beatles right off the bat yeah, <laughs> yeah right they started off sounding one way by the later part of the 60s oh they sounded a lot different you know so it was not uncommon so there was a lot of uh even the monkeys tried to get a little psychedelic. Oh, they did. Well, everybody did. I mean, you yeah. Know, and, and the ones who didn't didn't really, you know, move on. They didn't survive the uh, the, the the change in trend. Uh, however brief that it was, it really didn't last that long. But uh, unfortunately, to my mind. But um, anyway, that was uh, I, I remember that as being. Uh, you know, that was bandied about that, oh, this is like a disguised story of Jim Morrison and he's really alive too and living with Elvis in Mexico or something. (laughs) I do remember reading that at the time. I had forgotten about that, but now that you said it, I do remember that. And I love that it, it, just the fact that it's not 
simply about a band. It's about it's sort of wrapped up in this little mystery thing that you it it's slowly being doled out by interviews and finding out more and more about the band and who he was. And I love that. It really strung me along. You know what I mean? Very, very Citizen Kane-ish in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that technique is called, but (laughs) I'll call it Citizen Kane-ish for lack of a better term. So I'm sure I should play on the dark side, but I feel like y'all have heard it so many times. So I thought I'd go with something else. I thought I'd go with... With another song that you probably have heard as well, but um, but I really like. It's called Tender Years. Love that saxophone. <laughs> oh, that that definitely has the uh, Springsteen-esque uh, Southside Johnny sound to it. Absolutely. Uh, and it's very funny, though, because I literally have watched this, I don't know how many times, and it has never crossed my mind because it came out in, what, it was 83, 85, uh, 83. And, mm-hmm. of course, you were familiar with that sound at that point, so... It just didn't even dawn on me. Uh, they do do like uh, Run Around Sue and a couple other ones that might have fit better in the time. But yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, but it makes sense. I mean, that's what was popular at the time. You're you're trying to make a popular movie. so th- And that sound too, that old Jersey Shore sound, very timeless to begin with. And it harkens back. It was very, it was totally based on early 60s rock and roll. You know, that that in-between period of the originators like Chuck Berry and Elvis and, and Little Richard, etc., to the British invasion. There was there was a, a short span of time there, and that's where that sound kind of originated. And so it, it works. I thought it worked fine. I didn't think it was uh, out of, you know, it would have been a lot worse if they had, you know, like, cranked up guitars and sounded like you know heavy metal or something heavy metal that that, that would have been totally unbelievable so it worked it worked fine i think it worked great so and i love this movie and you know if if you're interested at all you should watch it and uh you know you might want to plant your tongue in your cheek but (laughs) but it's fun so if you do watch it enjoy it I think we have to take a break. We have lots more movies to talk about, and I'm very excited. Uh, so don't go anywhere too far. Do not start watching Andy and the Cruises right now. <laughs> Stick with us first. <laughs> this is HudsonRiverRadio.com. 
Be sure to check out Hudson River Radio's limited series podcast, Live from Electric Lady Studios, featuring bands like Foreigner, George Thorogood and the Destroyers, and Alice Cooper. Live from Electric Lady Studios was produced in the 1990s by Electric Lady for WNEW-FM in New York City and was hosted by legendary DJ Pat St. John. It featured a different band each time and was recorded live with a small in-studio audience. Check out Live from Electric Lady Studios on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is HudsonRiverRadio.com. Hey, we're back with the silver screen. You got Mercedes and Neil here in the house, and we are having a good old time talking about rock and roll movies. What, right? What a what what better combination could there be? Rock and roll. I don't know. Movies. I I think this just needs to go on and on. There's plenty of rock and roll movies about real bands. There's True. Unlimited. But this is like the other side. The the ones that weren't real, the fictitious ones, the fake ones. And there's just as many of those, too. And they're all good. They're all good. And what I find fascinating, and I think I spoke about this in the second part, uh, we they have a lot of good music, and that's because the bands are not real, so they hire writers to come in and write real music. So they're generally really good songs. <laughs> in general, yeah. Yeah, not always, not always. No. So this next one is called Times Square. It's This is a description from the Huffington Post. Two teen runaways function as the epitome of misunderstood youth in this 1980 film about young girls who channel their frustrations with parents and politics into a punk rock band. This movie stars Trini Alvarado and Robin Johnson as teenage runaways from opposite sides of the track and a very young Tim Curry as a radio DJ. Where was this when I was doing radio movies? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's such a small part that um, it probably would not have come up in any kind of search that you would do. Anyway, the two girls end up sharing a room at the New York Neurological Hospital. Both are being examined for mental illness. Pamela is depressed and insecure and neglected and exploited by her father, David Pearl, who is a prominent and wealthy commissioner running a campaign to clean up Times Square. (laughs) Nikki is a tough-talking street kid who wants to be a rock star who was sent to the hospital for an evaluation after getting in trouble with the police. They break out and steal an ambulance and hide out in an abandoned warehouse in the Chelsea Piers. They form a band called the Sleaze Sisters, which I think is a pretty cool punk girl band name. That, that's, an, that's perfect. 
<laughs> and right, it's S L E E Z. The soundtrack includes songs by the Ramones, Susie Quattro, Lou Reed, Talking Heads, The Cars. So they're badass little girls. But something that really bothered me about this film is to make a, a statement, they start throwing TVs off roofs. And I that upset me. I didn't like that at all. I They could have killed so many people. I mean, this takes place in New York City. How do you miss killing a person that, that's on the way, street? Yeah, no, I mean, in 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 movie land, that's very you know, oh that you know, that's very punk. That's oh yeah, Re- rebellious. Yeah, yeah, yeah hell yeah, yeah. That, that's badass. Oh yeah, let's throw TV. You know, but in real life, no, you're 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 going to kill somebody because not only could it land on them when TV tubes, especially the the old no, not now, but the old ones, when those when you broke one. It exploded. It was like a bomb going off. It was, no, it would just not be a good idea. It, Bad idea. Total, Bad idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. When she first did it, I was like, whoa, so rock and roll. And then by the second and third time, I was like, okay, stop. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that, you know, when people would put their TVs out on, you know, if they were broke, you know, they were getting rid of them, they'd be on the side. We'd, we'd swipe them. You know, they, well, not even swipe them. I mean, you know, they were getting rid of them. But we take yeah. them out in the woods and from a safe distance, you know, throw rocks at them and, and explode them. So, that, that, you know, that that's as dangerous as I got. We were at a safe distance. Boom. We laughed. And, you know, that was it. Throwing them off a of, throwing any, let, let's, let's expand on this. Throwing anything off a building at all, even the size of a pebble, not a great idea. Because once it starts, it picks up that momentum and velocity or whatever. I'm not a aerodynamic expert, but it, if that hits anything, it's going to hurt. It's not a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. Don't, I remember the first time I went up to the Empire State Building and then the tour person was standing there said, if you throw a penny off, you could, you would, it would like, it would kill somebody for right. sure. Right. Yeah. No, why, yeah, don't. Don't give anybody ideas. Just don't even tell them that. Just say, you know, everyone must walk with, you know, their hands in front of them or in their pockets. No, don't throw anything off a building. That's my Yeah, advice. no, no. That's the lesson for today. <laughs> so some trivia from IMDb. It was filmed on location in the old Times Square area. So it's pretty fun to see all the buildings and the trashy stores and trashy movie theaters. This is absolutely fascinating to me. This movie was inspired by a diary that writer and director Alan Moyel found in a secondhand couch that he bought. The diary was from a young, mentally disturbed woman that featured words and drawings about her life on the streets. Wow. Wow. I know. That's crazy. It's so cool that he found it because... There's a billion people that would have found it and go like, oh, garbage. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have even opened it up to look. They probably would have said, what's this? And away it goes. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's very cool that he found it and that he did something with it. The writer-director was fired before production was finished because he refused to reshoot to add more songs because the producers wanted to release a double LP soundtrack album. Who does that? Who releases a double LP soundtrack album for a movie? I mean, right? Even yeah, a double album from anybody was like a big deal, especially back then. We're, we're, we're dating <laughs> ourselves here, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, a, a, a double album just from an established band was uh, you know a big deal. Was was a bold move, let alone a soundtrack, and not even like that major of a film. This is not a major film. This is kind no. of a low budget film. I mean, have you ever heard of it? In a in a in a, a very niche, at least, especially at that time, a very niche genre. You know, the the punk new wave. Now it's like accepted. It's big. You know, it wasn't all that popular in 1980. Yeah. Even new new wave had not really the transition from punk to new wave had not really happened yet it was in the midst of it 
Right. There was not a big audience for that type of music. Right, right. There, there, there were radio stations that tried that format and would last like six months. <laughs> right. No, seriously. So, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that would all change and, and for the better in my mind, but not at that time. It was not, that was a bold move. So he refused to reshoot to add more songs, but uh, he did go on to make Pump Up the Volume, which um, we talked about on the movies about radio. And of course, that made that made money. So I guess he made up for it. Despite playing a supporting role, Tim Curry received top billing as he was the only cast member largely known to audiences. Curry filmed all of his scenes in just two days. And well, he, he was Mick riding. Jagger was also considered to play the part of Johnny LaGuardia, the part that Tim Curry mm, played. That I could see, yeah. They, but while well, he was riding the uh, the fame of of Rocky Horror at that point, which I mean, he, right? He exactly. Always, he, he has ever since. But I mean, that was uh, that was also prime time for for the uh, Rocky Horror Show or picture show that you know the midnight showings and all that so oh yeah yeah so yeah that made that made sense too to put his name on top but maybe a little misleading maybe you know a little disingenuous but yeah i guess it worked and he's 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 so young like it's worth seeing this movie just to see how how cute he was <laughs> he's really cute Anyway, I liked this movie. It wasn't like the greatest movie ever, but I really enjoyed it. And for a long time, the soundtrack album of this movie was the only available recording of the Ramones' I Want to Be Sedated. Mm, I don't know about that. Um, Because I know a little bit about them. And I think think that song came out on the Ramones' Road to Ruin album. And that was right. the fourth fourth <clears throat> album, and I believe that came out in 1979. Now, when was Times Square? When did that come out? I, th- I thought that was like 1980. 1980. Um, I know for a fact that there was a Pretenders song, and they they were on the rise at that point. They they had become, uh, a, you know, a bigger name. And the song Talk of the Town was not available on any other, you know, I don't even think it was released as a single. So you couldn't get that anywhere except on on that double LP. And I remember I said, I really like this song, but I'll be darned if I'm going to buy a double <laughs> album for one two and a half minute song. I'm sorry, you know. It finally, well, it finally did. So I don't know. I, I would believe you before I would believe the Internet. But this is what the internet's saying. Yeah, well, so. I mean, I, I, I always could be, you know, I can always stand corrected, but I, I'm pretty sure that uh, it might have even been in 78. Again, they, they were not a household name at that point either. Um, and certainly not in, in contention or whatever for, you know, rock and roll Hall of Famedom. No, but nobody would have guessed that back then. Right, that's right. Oh, you're right, 78, September 22nd, 78. On Sire Records. Okay. All right, 78. I, so. I, w- I wasn't there yet at, at Sire, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I knew what you meant. but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was there after that, though. Uh, let's play a song from Times Square. It's called I'm a Damn Dog Now.
Feed me, feed me. Can't you hear me howl? <laughs> <laughs> now that that was that was supposed to be that was the the band in the movie. That was yes. That was the two girls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sleeve sisters. Yeah. I would have bought that. I would have bought a double album by them. <laughs> sure, I would. I like that. Sure, you would. <laughs> okay, the next one we're gonna skip right over that. The next one is Pitch Perfect. The cast includes Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, Brittany Snow. It's a 2012 movie about the Barden Bellas, who are a collegiate all-girls a cappella singing group. It's a bit Mean Girls and a bit American Idol. There's a competition that comes down to the Bellas against the male a cappella group from the same college. Of course, one of the Bellas is dating one of the guys, which makes for drama. And less college a cappella is your thing. I think you can safely miss this one, even though Andrew, Anna Kendrick and Rebel Wilson are very funny. I, I really do love the two of them. Some trivia from IMDb. Or, or maybe it's, yeah, it's just, that's just not my thing. But anyway, Brittany Snow said that Rebel Wilson improvised most of her lines and would go on 20-minute tangents that would have the whole cast and crew in stitches, which I totally believe because <laughs> she's that good. Anyway, uh, let's let's hear it. Let's listen to, I think it's the finals. Seems like everybody's got a prize. I wonder how they sleep at night. When the sale comes first and the truth comes second, just stop for a minute and smile. Everybody look to the left. Everybody look to the right. Can you feel that? Yeah, we're with love tonight. It ain't ever about the money. It's not about the money, money, money. you get the idea like you can tell exactly what's going on in that movie from here and that right oh yeah, <laughs> Kinda. yeah. I, I, I seem to recognize one of those songs too that, that yeah <laughs> yeah from, from another so, movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah so anna kendrick sings she sang that song what's the name of that song don't see you, about me don't don't you forget about me simple oh minds. that's right yeah Original. Uh, yeah. So she she sang that. Rebel Wilson kicks in later. And man, she can sing. But um, it that just was going on too long. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tried to not let my personal opinion. Of course, I enjoyed the movie. You know, I really did. In all honesty, it's it's. Uh, I'd rather watch Times Square, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say. I didn't see that one, so. Uh. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, it's the kind of thing you can put on. You you know what's going on. You, it doesn't really matter what's going on. You know, if 
it's it's like a good background kind of thing. And there's a couple of funny parts. But yeah, we're going to take a break because because uh, we have to. And there's lots more to come. So don't go anywhere. This is HudsonRiverRadio.com, your local Rockland County station. Be sure to check out Hudson River Radio's Shaving Cream Podcast. Barbara Viol plays the funniest novelty tracks and explores their backstories, guaranteed to make you laugh. Check out Shaving Cream on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. HudsonRiverRadio.com We're back with the silver screen and we're talking fake rock bands. <laughs> what better topic is that? I I think this is great. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Some of these fake rock bands they're just as good as the real ones, if not better, some of them, I think. They are. They yeah. are. And um yeah. Well, and you can as a storyteller, you can play a lot more with the storyline because they're not real. So you can do what you want. Well, I think most of the ones that I've seen, if not all of them, there's there's some kernel of truth. There's some basis in fact. Maybe they expand it a little bit, you know, and, and uh, accentuate different parts, especially the more outrageous parts. But it's not all that far from the truth. It's not. It, it, there's more truth to it than than fiction, uh, in in most cases. Right, but if you take a, a movie like Times Square and let's pretend that band is a real band and you if you read a you know Wikipedia page about them at this point in time about a band that was from the 1980s you would probably read, you know, they got together, blah, 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 played this music, played these clubs and that. You, like you probably there would be maybe a line in it saying they met at a psychiatric hospital and ran away and lived on the streets. But that would be like it wouldn't be the whole story, which in the movie is pretty much the whole story. Yeah. OK. But how many bands could say that in real life? Maybe they didn't make it past the uh, the hospital. <laughs> But um, but it was it certainly would fit into the what was happening at the time. You know that this, oh well, let's, that was the way out. Let's let's make a band. And how many other movies are like that? What, what's their way out of a uh, you know a bad situation, be it economic or or whatever? Let's form a rock band and become successful, and it'll take us out of our poverty or or depression or whatever. That that was the the solution and. It's been ever thus. That 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 part is totally real, I think. Sure, because it's something that is possible for to be accessible to anybody. Anybody, first of all, anybody, everybody hears music. So everybody knows about music. So if you hear it, you think, oh, I can I can learn how to play that on guitar or I can sing. <laughs> and, and, and when you're a teenager, all things are possible. And, are possible. And, and, and that really is true. But it's in a teenager's mind, it's totally true. So what better genre than when when punk came along? Or even before that, maybe, you know, the garage bands. That, that's because you you didn't have to have the money you didn't have to have the clothes you didn't have to have you know the whole shebang you could just be somebody with attitude ripped jeans yeah an attitude yeah hell yeah and that, yeah that, that would get you over any time and um right anyway so but yeah i think a lot of these you know even though even though they're made up they're fictitious they're fantasy there's a lot of truth in these movies too that are just yeah. kind of just melted down and, and, and put into one particular story. And I think it's great. I, you know, that's why it rings true to so many people. They say, yeah. I was just going to say, that's why we, it gets to us. All these movies really get to, to me anyway. And, and yes, myself is included. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this next movie that I want to talk about is not a band, but a rock star. And 
I'm very excited about this because I did not know about this movie and I watched it and it's called, it's a 1984 film called Top Secret with an exclamation point. Do you know this movie? No, with an exclamation point. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So. with an exclamation point. Tell me. (laughs) With two exclamation points. It's very airplane. Not quite as good, but still very good. It is written and directed by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker, also known as Z-A-Z or Zaz, I don't know, who also did the Kentucky Fried movie, Airplane, Top Secret, Ruthless People, The Naked Gun. Okay, now, now I'm getting the picture. Why didn't this movie, why have have I not heard of this? I don't know. It's very disturbing to me. So Val Kilmer kills it as an Elvis type and does some parody Elvis songs. He's amazing. I had no idea. Well, speaking of before about, you know, Jim, he played a good Jim Morrison too. I mean, he. he, Right. Yes. Whether, whether the, again, that was a real band. I don't know how fictitious the movie. I think that took a lot of liberties too. But I think he played the part pretty close to uh, pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. So he's- so Val Kilmer stars as Nick Rivers, a handsome American '50s style rock and roll singer. While performing in East Germany, he falls in love with a beautiful heroine and becomes involved with the French Resistance. When I was going over my notes. Earlier, I said the French Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. Which... I, wait. First of all, I, Nick Rivers is a perfect rock and roll name. That that's great, Nick Rivers. But now, wait a minute. The French Resistance wasn't that during like World War Two in the in the forties. Yes. <laughs> Are we not supposed to know that? <laughs> I don't actually know. Oh, not. Not big on my history. Anyway, Val Kilmer actually sings all the Nick Rivers songs in the film, and the soundtrack was released under his character's name, which is so good. Perfect. From IMDb trivia, when Nick Rivers is in jail, a headshot of Cher can be clearly seen on the wall of the cell several times. Val Kilmer was dating Cher at the time. I did not know that. I did not know that. Who knew? Did not know that. Anyway. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but. No, not at all. But I just was unaware. They must have kept that one under wraps. Although I wouldn't know why, because you'd think the publicity would have, you know. What a cute couple. You never know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, the, the female love interest has, this killed me. The female love interest has a flashback to her childhood. (laughs) And it's a reenactment of Blue Lagoon. (laughs) Oh, now now you've got my attention. So she's talking about her childhood as if it was Blue Lagoon, which I just, you know, she was on a ship and she ended up on on a deserted island with a a guy I, it was i was laughing so hard i had just started watching the brook shields doc when when i was watching this movie as well so so the the, the synchronicity i thought was very funny but i thought that was a brilliant touch there's so much good stuff in this movie oh my gosh it's hilarious hilarious yeah, I don't even want to tell you too much because you just should go out and watch it. And it's called, again, it's called Top Secret! Exclamation point. And we're going to play a song from it. And this is Val Kilmer singing. Well, get out on that floor and hit that road tonight. Well, get out on that floor and hit that rug tonight. We're gonna shake that rug to the early, early light. I say the romp and stomp, it's not like the devil on the thread. Yeah. I say the romp and stomp, it's not like the devil on the thread. Well, stand back, baby, I believe I'm gonna play my edge. You gotta straighten the rug. Yeah, straighten the rug. 
You gotta give it a push. Yeah, give it a shot. Well, I got money now, baby. Give it a time. That is good stuff. I'm sorry, but I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, you no, you don't have to convince me. That was that was swinging, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I really love that one. And um, in the video, if you watch the video, he is literally dancing on a rug and and shaking it around with his feet, and um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> wow, yeah. How how did how did that one slip through with all the other? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's you know Val Kilmer is not nobody. You know what I mean? It's he's got a name. Yeah, he's, absolutely. Yeah, um, I absolutely don't know because I was thrilled to pieces when I found this movie. <laughs> and what in what year it, was it again? Uh nineteen eighty four. Oh yeah, he he was he was somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know when you're when you're doing research for a show like this, there's a lot of times that you have to watch something just because it's important to the topic and you're like rolling your eyes the whole time that you're watching it and I thought Val Gilmore top, top secret. I, I don't know. I've never, I've never heard of this. It can't be that good. It's got to be really stupid. And I left through the whole thing. I loved it. So highly recommend that. It's a great film. It's a good time. The next one we're going to talk about is The Sapphires. And it is a 2012 Australian musical comedy drama film based on the 2004 stage play, The Sapphires, by Tony Briggs, which is loosely based on a real-life 1960s group that included Briggs' mother and aunt. How cool is that? Mm. So cool. Four young girls try to win a ta talent contest in a local club. Um, they lose, but they meet a broke-down drunken piano player played by Chris O'Dowd, which is incredible. They discover an ad looking for groups to sing to entertain the troops in Vietnam. They audition and win a spot. The piano player goes along with them to manage and he grooms them to be soul singers because they were originally singing country western. <laughs> really bizarre. This movie takes on some really important topics about war and race, and I enjoy a movie with some substance. Clearly, the girls are totally unprepared for war, and they struggle with the meaning and purpose of it. And in the film, three of the girls are black. One is white, which makes for complications. But actually, the white girl, Kay, is half black. In the film, the girls meet up with their cousin Kay, who had been living in Melbourne for 10 years after the government took her from her family because she was half white, as part of the policy now referred to as stolen generations. At another point, when Kay and Julie are able to leave on the medevac of Kay's boyfriend, a dying white soldier makes a racist comment to Kay's boyfriend as he tries to attend to the white soldier's mortal wounds. <laughs> I mean, uh so all four of the actresses are actually indigenous women or Yorta Yorta, which I had never heard that term before. This is what the picture's opening prologue reads in print. 
Until 1967, Australia's native Aboriginal population, amongst the oldest people on the earth, were denied full citizenship by the Australian government. Segregated to church missions and Aboriginal reserves, they were not classified as human beings, but rather as flora and fauna. As late as the 1970s, fair-skinned Aboriginal children were routinely taken from their families to be raised in institutions or with white families and taught, quote-unquote, white ways. These children are known as the Stolen Generation. The following is inspired by a true story. Wow. Wow, indeed. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. So it's interesting when you're watching the movie because the the white girl who, you know, you don't know anything about it's it's you know it starts off with this these three black girls and then this white girl gets involved and she's got money and like white parents and you think oh my god this is going to be a problem she's going to be privileged and this is going to be cause problems with the band and stuff and then you find out that it's the the opposite she's the one that's that's really you know, mm. has, has lived through th- some stuff. Mm. I, I I thought it was really impressive. When the DVD was released, and it's not a, you know, it's not a heartbreaking movie. I mean, it was done really, really well. It explains what's happening, but at the same time, it's, you know, interesting and fun, <laughs> which sounds really twisted. <laughs> but yeah. when the DVD was released in the U.S., there was controversy regarding the cover. The artwork had Chris O'Dowd right in the foreground with the four female black stars appearing in the background. It's clear, The movie is clearly about the girls and not him. The decision was described as both sexist and racist, and it was later changed. Fiona Williams of SBS, which I think that's an Australian publication, awarded the film three and a half stars out of five, commenting that there's too, there's much to love, lots to like, and enough roof-lifting musical numbers to make up for the dodgy bits. <laughs> the film premiered at the 2012 Cannes Film Festival, and it received a 10-minute standing ovation. Love this film, really enjoyed it, highly recommend it. You know, it it takes a little more attention than than the Val Kilmer movie, but um absolutely worth it. Can't wait for you to hear the song. Really excited. It's called What a Man. Now we got four real life aborigines from Australia, and they're gonna be putting it down out there for you tonight. So I want you to be polite. Grab a drink off my beautiful ladies, because we got a big lineup for y'all tonight. And remember. You're at the cave, baby. The best black bar in Saigon. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah? All right.
So one of the lead singers did all of her own singing while the other three lead actresses sang some of the parts, but not all of them. Um, every time they sang acapella, it was all of the girls' voices together. And uh, so good, right? That was very good. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that was really good. So th- that song is, you know, it's not original. It was done by somebody that I don't recognize their name, but uh, uh, it was written by Dave Crawford and originally recorded by Linda Lindell, who I, I don't know. There also is a cover of it from uh, Salt and Peppa. But this one I think is so good. It's just so good. It's so much fun. The movie was really good. Like I said, there's a lot going on, but it, it's a really good movie. So Highly recommend the Sapphires. And we are out of time for today. (laughs) We are going to be back next week with more because I hope you guys like this because we're just having too much fun to stop. So if you don't like it, you're just going to have to bear with us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, sorry. I'm having a great time with it. So, uh... yeah. How can you not be having a good time out there? Mm. It's so fun. Anyway, we've got more. There's more to talk about. So we will be back next week with part four of Fictitious Bands. And uh, we love you all for being here. Thanks for listening to the Silver Screen podcast. And um, we will be back next week. So go watch a movie. RadioRadio.com.